You're listening to Fox on the Wire podcast. Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Uh, whatever time you're listening to this podcast and wherever you're listening from, uh, we have a very special guest today via Skype. Uh, given you know the circumstances of what's going on in the world at the moment, we have Aaron Shembury. How you doing, Aaron? How are you, mate? Good, man. Thanks for uh, coming on for a chat. No worries. Lots to talk about. There's lots going on at the moment. Uh, unfortunately, not a lot of live music happening at the moment as uh, has probably impacted you, especially. Yeah. Uh, being a busy, busy muso. So how many gigs have you had cancelled just, just like that? Mate, I had, uh, I think the, <laughs> it started off we were, getting to Tassie with Renee Gayer and Scott Morrison made that announcement on the news and yep. <laughs> we couldn't go anywhere. So by the time I got home, I had about 10 missed calls for different gigs and then it just was like the floodgates had opened and yeah. uh, one after another for the next three, four months all gone. You know? So it's sort of uh, – the one thing I've learned is you don't realise how special it is to be doing music until it's mm. taken away from you. I mean, it's not completely taken away from you. You know, you've got your creative side still, but uh, I'm like any other muso who loves gigging. So when yep. once that's been taken away, you, you really do realise how much you miss it and how much you rely on it and uh, how much you enjoy it, most of all. So, yeah, it's pretty... I don't think we'll see anything like this in the next 100 years if we're still around. <laughs> Yeah, well, um, I mean, these days, live music is mainly where musos make their money too, you know, because album sales aren't like they used to. Um, I mean, you got Spotify and that sort of thing, which is great, which we'll touch on as well, but um, musos can't make a living off that, really. No, that's right. And it's, I mean, you know, we can whinge and whine about it or just push through and get through it um, because there's, you know, probably so many more that are worse off than how we are. I mean, yeah. With, like for for instance, for myself, I'm still having an income from merch sales and CDs and vinyls and whatever else. Um, so I'm not completely uh, in the gutter. Uh, yeah. Whereas some people probably are a lot worse than than you know, myself or, or other musicians that have got merch to sell and a product mm. to sell. I suppose. Um, so yeah, it's, it is. It'll be a rough few months. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's a, another thing. Like, we, I guess we don't know how long it's going to be, but yeah, some musos have managed to make a living off music, yeah. even if it's just. So, you know, I wonder how how tough they're going at the moment. But for someone like me, um, you know, I've been working full time in another job for the last twenty years yeah. uh, and doing music on the side yeah. as much as I can. And music was always. Uh, something I strived to slowly but surely take over my full-time work and of course, yeah. do music full-time. But yeah. yeah, that's right. And I suppose it's a bit of an outlet too for yourself and other people that work, you know, uh, a full-time job as well. I mean, as I said, once that outlet is taken from you, you yeah, you don't, you know, <laughs> you'll tend to go a bit mad once it's gone. You yeah. Know? yeah, well, yeah. live music things are... A huge thing for punters and musos, so yeah. I think everyone's missing it at the moment. 
There was a, there was somebody somebody mentioned to me the other week, and it made sense. You know, through, throughout the World War, you know, the Second World War, there was a lot of you know stuff that was taken away from the outlets that were taken away from the people back then. And from what he what uh, he was an older chap too, so he, he had a bit of knowledge. And uh, he said, you know, once that all finished, um, the outlet for people were you know, the comedy, the entertainment, you know, like Charlie Chaplin and, you know, the Three Stooges and all that sort of thing. So there may be a little bit of a resurgence in live music or, or gigs. Um, so I think it is a positive, you know, as as much of a hellhole we probably are in now, there's a bit of a positive, I think, that's going to come with it. You know, it, mm. it'll just give everybody that boost to go out and go to the pub and watch, you know, a solo guy, or, you know, playing doing his gig, you know, or bands, whatever. So yeah. that's what I think. I think it's I think it's a fair call to say that. We can hope. So you reckon uh, it'll come back with a bang once we're all set free again? Oh, yeah. Live I, music? Yeah. I mean, you know, even for non-musos, the first thing you will want to do after these three, four, five, six months is go to the pub and have a beer, you know. So yeah. That's, that's, yeah, I just think that's how it's going to pan out. Hopefully. Yeah, well, yeah, hopefully it's not too long, man. Like, um, you know, the longer everyone's on lockdown, uh, I don't know, we might kind of get used to it and yeah. become more homebodies and, and that sort Possibly. of thing. But um, at least, uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty scary sort of coming into a winter with the virus and stuff, you know, yeah. maybe getting stronger. But at the same time, it's probably the best time to be locked down. Um, and then, yeah. you know, we'll break out once the weather starts getting better and summer yeah. and live music and beer gardens and that sort of thing. So, yeah, so, yeah it's strange times. But, you know, lucky we've got uh, the internet. You know, they wouldn't have had the internet yeah. back in the World War Two and that sort of thing. So, uh, Yeah, I'm loving all – I don't know about yourself, but I'm loving all the uh, live, you know, the live streams of, of gigs and that. It's great because, you know, even last night we, you know, a couple of us – you know, we're sitting back and having a beer and watching, you know, a couple of mates doing their gig up in Barma. Yeah. It was good because it was sort of like, you know, oh, yeah, we still got the music thing. I'm loving it. I think it's great. Yeah. No, we're very uh, lucky to have the internet. So I guess we're not yeah. that isolated. Uh, it could be a lot no. worse. <laughs> yeah, no, that's exactly right. I mean, uh, yeah, it's strange times we live in at the moment. Sure is, man. Well, uh, we will. We will. We just got to yeah. support each other, stay in contact, and check in with each other. And yeah. um, but in terms of musos and uh, you know fans and punters helping out musos, like you said, uh, a lot of musos got merch that mm. uh, you can buy and sort of help them keep going. Um, yeah. And uh, CDs, vinyls. Yeah. Um, yeah, we sort of touched on that uh, in my last episode with Joe Laff. We were sort of talking yeah. about what people can do to help out musicians at this time. Um, yeah. Buy merch, buy the albums, buy the CDs, the vinyls. Yeah. Um, the reason I came across you in the last couple of weeks again, um, I think we've been Facebook friends for, yeah. for years and yeah, I might have yeah. ran into you a couple of years ago I at one stage. Um, yeah, We uh, sold Michael Yule, I think it was. Yeah, uh, that was at um, uh, the Crown, was it? I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was doing the um, uh, 
Southern Legends. Yeah, yeah, Legends Tour or Southern Land Tour or something. Yeah. yeah. With um, so who'd you have in that? Yeah, John St. Peters. Uh, yeah. Swanee. Uh, yeah, Michael Yule. Yep. Swanee. Was uh, couples. Couples. Uh, Jimmy Couples. Ray, yep. Ray Burgess and I, and Marty Rowan, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. Uh, that's it was fun. good. Yeah. Yeah, my girlfriend and I had a had a night out, so it was good. Yeah, yeah, good to yeah. good to be a punter. Yeah, I know, I know. Isn't it? That's the best thing. I think of being a bit a muso is that yeah, you can when you've got the night off, you you'll go and support music too. So that's the thing I kind of miss at the moment is, you know, normally with a Friday or a Saturday off, I'd go out and watch a band, you know, or go to the pub and watch a, a gig, you know. So I, I do miss that a bit, you know, just as much as gigging, I suppose. Sorry, I so I cut, I took you off the track. Of what you were talking about. <laughs> That's right. I think I took myself off the track. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say I, I sort of came across a post you did a couple of weeks ago um, yeah. when all this started to set in with, with the virus and all the gigs and events getting cancelled. Uh, you had the bright idea of starting an amazing Spotify playlist yeah. uh, with lots of um, Aussie artists. Yeah. Um, and then you sort of went one further and pushed it with a lot of uh, venues and, and local businesses, I think, and yeah. um, got some pretty good traction on it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I just yeah, I just woke up one morning of that week where everything was sort of hitting the fan, and I thought, well, I suppose, as we said before, the internet is the only real outlet now, I think, for music. And, uh, I mean, I suppose when you look at the playlist, Triple M is not going to play it or uh, uh. Old 104 or, you know. Um, so I thought, well... I'll hit up some of the local places that I go to in Reservoir here, and uh, it just went out from there. I mean, then I had venues playing it and pubs and uh, had a few calls from other venues out of town that, you know, saw what that thing on Facebook. And then, um, yeah, it sort of just – I think I got up to about 36 venues or something, venues and cafes, which is great because, you know, and having them on rotation, well, A, your, your, your prime um, – goal is to have your music heard whether you whether somebody listens to it for 20 seconds or 10 seconds you know it's still out there yep. and if they like what they hear they'll you know sh- shazam is it what is it called shazam no, shazam, shazam yeah shazam. So, yeah yeah so it's like i mean what else can we do at this moment you know yeah well it's a great idea and uh Obviously, I'm going to put a link to this playlist in the show notes yeah. for this episode, but uh, you've called it the 2020 Australian COVID-19 playlist. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. It's got some some great art, some uh, local great artists on there. So you've got uh, Jimmy Couples again. You've got Reese mm. Maston, Sean Kirk, yeah. Leon, Amy Francis, uh, Joe Laff, Electric Mary. The Weeping Willows, Echo Del Tusker, and I was even lucky enough to jump on, yeah, on there. Yeah, get a yeah. track on there myself. Yeah, so I was uh, stoked about that. So yeah, no, it was a great idea, man. So it's um, yeah, it's, it's doing really, really cool well. Too. Yeah, it was really cool for me because I, I, you know, having to listen, yeah, you know, to make sure everything's cafe friendly, and you know, um, it was great for me to actually listen to bands that I wouldn't normally listen listen to. You know, so I th- yeah, I got a real kick kick out of it. You know. Which is good. Well, well, the the good thing is as well, like, um, and you would have probably noticed that listening through everybody is everyone sounds really different. Like, yep. there's nothing that really sounds like something else. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, everyone's sort of got their own sound, their own style, which is 
which is great because yeah. I think a lot of those are Melbourne-based artists from what that's, I... That's from, the scary thing is that they're all Melbourne. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I didn't even touch on some of the other states, you know. I know interstate and I didn't even get to that yet. So, yeah, I'd be interested to... I think once the pubs get back up and running and the venues, I'll hit it again and try and get more venues onto it and... Uh, Depending on the situation, I think still it'd be a good idea to get it out there. Um, regardless, I think you know. I mean, I'm yeah. not I'm not trying to take claim and say I'm going to change the music industry, but I think every little bit helps from every person, you know. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I'll see what what comes of it, and how, how it pans out. So, well, look, yeah. that's um this playlist. Yeah, it's a great thing. I mean, it's done. It's got me more listeners to my my catalog catalog, which is yep. great. So thank you very much. Um, so yeah, if you've got a bit of pull in the industry, you know that's yeah. uh, that's a great thing. So well, let's let's jump off this uh, darn virus thing for the moment <laughs> and uh, talk about your debut album, City Lights, which I think you released towards the end of last year. Yeah, yeah, uh, late September. It was released, and um, it, yeah, it was an album that took four years to make, to get done. Wow! Uh, mainly because I, I I had most of the songs there, but you know, I was forever chopping and changing things, and and then once I finished what I had to do, I got the the other singers to come in and, and sing their parts, which some of them were to stage, so I had to get them flown to, into Melbourne to do their parts. Um, so it sort of what started out as a you know logical idea, it, it didn't really turn out that way. <laughs> yeah, so I just sort of you know chased my tail a bit, but I'm glad it's yeah. seen the light of day, and um, yeah, I'm super proud of it. It's it's you know what it's like when you put all the uh, hard yards into something, and and I you know it's not about for me it wasn't about selling you know out of all the merch. It was more the fact that people came up and was saying, yeah, I really like this song. Um, you know, that that's, I mean, as a music, what do you do? You, you try and hit home with people. So yeah. that was the biggest uh, satisfaction, I think, you know. So, yeah. Well, it's, it's no small feat actually recording an album and having a finished product. Like, it, it's a lot of work and... Um, yeah especially in your case, by the sounds of it, having all these grand ideas of who you can get on yeah. there and flying yeah. them from other states and stuff. Oh, man. Well, you obviously I, got I, there, so well done. Yeah, yeah. I, I loved every minute of it. It was such a great learning curve too. I mean, uh, you know, I'd worked with half of those singers on there anyway, so I thought, well, you know, I'll try and get him into you know, a bit of a chop out on some of my stuff. And, yeah, everyone was fantastic, you know. And I'd learned so much from them, watching them how they do their thing in the in the studio, you know. So it was sort of it. Uh, it was like I was on the outside of a work experience thing, you know. Yeah, so, right. Really, really enjoyable. Really, uh, really loved it. Absolutely. Cool. So, what what's the basic idea behind the album? Is it sort of uh, you you wrote the music and then yes. you sort of had these singers in mind who you wanted to sing the songs? Is that sort of mm. pretty much? Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, um, once once I'd written the uh, you know the formula of the song, um, it gave me an idea as to who I wanted to to sing it. Um, you know, I had 
I had given you know two options to some of the singers because I really wasn't sure which um, which genre of music they would take. You know, whether it was a country song or a rock song. Um, yep. So I, I sort of left it open a bit, but I, the majority of the time I finished the song, I sang the demo, and I knew straight away who I wanted to sing it. And you know, uh, I think nine out of ten, that's how it happened. You know, I mean, I'm singing two of the songs on the record yep. anyway. So um, yeah, uh, I think I followed what I was, you know, visioning. I think you know, um, yeah. So your first single was uh, called Good Enough For You. Who did you have yeah. singing that one? That was me. I, I sang that. Oh. Um, yeah, so I was singing that one. And uh, it was a little tribute to my granddad who was uh, – he was also a muser. And uh, he – I remember <laughs> I remember when I first said, you know, I'm going to learn how to play piano. I was nine. But he was wrapped, you know, because somebody else was taking up the music side of things, you know. Mm. And uh, – yeah, that even writing that song, it just sort of happened because it was the day after he died. And it was just one of those things where it just came out, you know, and I didn't really have to sit there and, uh, you know, sweat about what I was writing. I mean, I think it just, whatever was going through my head, it just literally came out on paper, you know. But if you had to ask me how I was feeling that day, I wouldn't be able to tell you. <laughs> yeah. It just came out on paper, which is... Nice. That's the magic. The magic. Yeah, and you can't force uh, these things too. Sometimes, as you, as you know. Yeah, yeah. So, was your grandfather obviously your biggest influence getting into music in the first place? And yeah, um, certainly. I mean, I remember as a kid, you know, having all the uh, like the records, you know, the Elvis records and Dale Shannon, and you know, even the Chuck Berry stuff, and. Uh, I still hear those songs now, and it and it takes me, you know, back to when I was much you know, a little bit younger, and uh, it's like yeah, it the uh, the essence of what I was hearing as a kid was sort of coming out of me throughout the album, you know. So I've got all different inspirations in the album, different genres of music and you know, songwriters and whatever else. Um, yeah, it, yeah, it's it's funny how it works sometimes. Yeah, very important in those early years, even when you're not conscious of what you're taking in, obviously because you're a kid. Um, it's definitely something to oh, that influences you without you even knowing it. Like I, um, there was no other musicians in my family. My uncle played a bit of guitar. Yeah. Um, he, he passed away when I was about six. Um, but I don't know, there's something about um, – opening his guitar case after he died um, and having the smell of that guitar. Um, it sounds weird, but, you know, it's like that stale smell of a guitar inside yeah. a case. Um, that was a big thing. Mm. And, um, you know, dad playing Beatles and Stones records yeah. growing up constantly, Sherbet, John Farnham. Um, yeah, all I still listen stuff. to all that stuff. Yeah. Stuff, yeah. It's, it yeah. is. It's funny how it works sometimes and, uh, um, I mean, well, you look at all the old, the older bands too. You know, some of the bands that we love, you know, they were like us. You know, they were hearing things from their parents or their grandparents, and, and you know, it's just a never-ending, um, I don't know, circle of life of music. Maybe I don't know what you what you'd call it. Yeah, yeah, it's a powerful thing, and yeah. some 
some of us uh, attach ourselves to it a bit more than others, I guess, and um, take it a bit further by actually taking up music ourselves, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So uh, I was having a look sort of who you were working with on your on your album, some of the guests you've, you've had on there and uh, who you've been working with on and off over the years. And uh, you had Ross Wilson on there. Yeah. Um, I started working with Ross Hannaford, the guitarist, out of Daddy Cool when I was 17 or 18. And uh, I'd met Ross Wilson along the way, you know, with gigs and whatever else. And... Um, it just so happened that I, before Ross Hannaford passed away, I had this reggae song that he and I started writing together. And it wasn't finished, and I found it on an iPad, one of my iPad recordings. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll finish it and, and put it on the album. But originally I was going to sing it, and I thought, well, I'll get Ross Wilson to do it, you know, sort of comes full circle. And, uh, yeah, it, it's... Uh, I, yeah, I'm pretty proud of that one because, you know, not many people can say that Ross Wilson sang your song. <laughs> no. So I was, pretty, I was pretty privileged and stoked, you know. Yeah. Cool. So. Well, uh, I think my uh, first uh, introduction to Ross Wilson was, as I said before, I listened to a lot of John Farnham growing up and yeah. – uh, uh, off the Whispering Jack album, he wrote um, A Touch of Paradise. That's right, yeah. Uh, so I think, yeah, my first thing was him. Uh, I think John had him on stage in one of the concerts, um, sort of like a duet for that song, which is really cool and obviously yeah. one of Farnham's biggest songs yeah, um, th- on, on his biggest album. Yeah. It's funny because I, I, I did a, a heap of gigs with Ross late last year and um, – it's just amazing the catalogue that that guy's got, you know, between the mm. Daddy Cool stuff, uh, the Mondo Rock stuff, you know, the yeah. stuff that he'd written for other people. Like, you know, there's a song that was in the set that was written and Joe Cocker covered it. You, you know, it's like, <laughs> who, who does that? You know? Yeah, wow. But it was just amazing to see the people in the crowd hear the songs and watch him perform the songs and go back you know, 30 years or 40 years in their lifetime, you know. I think Eagle Rock's 52 years old or something like that. Wow. And it stood the test yeah. of time, you know, that song. Absolutely. Yeah, it still sounds good, doesn't it? It's damn fun to play too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. How did these guys do that, you know, all that time ago, like 40, 50 years? It's just crazy. You know, Beatles, Paul McCartney, Stones, like these are songs that were written before – uh, even the way they're recorded, you know, with probably not much technology compared to what we've got now, and um, yeah. they still sound great. Um, yep. It's some sort of chemistry that that was I don't know in the air back then. <laughs> yeah. Just the way you know, they probably didn't know any different. I think you know, from learning from what those guys say, that, that was just the norm. You know, you'd have, uh, you know, you'd get a backing vocalist to come into the studio, record the BVs on something that becomes a hit, and then as they're walking out, they'd get called into the next studio next door and they're they're putting their vocals down on something else. Uh, Wilbur Wilde, the sax player Wilbur Wilde, is is known for that. He's on just about every Australian record possible. Um, You you just go from session to session, door to door, and and that's it. Uh, You know, different times, I think, it's just, yeah. Being a uh, saxophone player, I guess he'd be in a different sort of 
demand. Um, yeah. You know, you can't just pick up a saxophone player anywhere, um, uh, especially a good, a good one. one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So have you played with him as well? Yeah, yeah, many times. I'll yeah? Yeah, he, uh, I don't really – you don't hear people play like how he plays. He, uh, right. Especially when he solos, it's like, you know, who, you would never have thought to start on that note in, you know, in a, in a solo. But when you hear him play, you know it's him. And I think sax is probably the hardest, probably the hardest instrument to develop your own style. I mean, guitar players can get away with – you know, pedals and amps and different things, and but yeah, I mean, sax is probably you'd, you'd think it'd be a bit bit harder to establish your own sound or your own playing technique. I don't know, but well, I don't know. Yeah, I guess yeah, with guitars, like you're saying, like you can get different tones, different types of guitars, and yeah. I mean, I think there's a few different saxophones, isn't there? There's like tenor and that yeah. sort of thing, but you know, it's. Um, Probably only two or three different types. I don't really know anything about it, but um, I've got to yeah. say, I love a good saxophone solo. Yeah, you know, in a good ballad song, I love it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, um, how old were you when you started sort of performing out and about? Oh man, I my first pub gig. I was fifteen, <laughs> right? And I was doing like you know, two nights a month in pubs with a, a band that, you know, would just hold the chaps. And, um, you know, I was making, you know, 200 bucks for each gig and it was like, oh, you know, everyone's getting jobs at KFC at high school and <laughs> and I'm, you know, you know, doing gigs. It was great. And I haven't yeah. really looked for anything else since. I just I love doing it, you know. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it's pretty, pretty young. Yeah. I mean, there was probably one pub out of the whole three years of being under, or no, five, uh, yeah, three years of being underage. I got thrown out of one pub. <laughs> yep. At one gig, you know. So. Um, probably a bit more lax back then. I'm assuming they're probably a bit more strict for underage things these yeah. days. Well, the, the, the good thing I did, the good thing I had was my dad used to take me. Obviously, I couldn't drive, and uh, my dad used yep. to take me. So most of the pubs were okay because I had a, a, a guardian with me. Mm. But, yeah, one yeah, I can't remember where it was, but it was, uh, yeah, as soon as they saw me walking with the guitar, they're like, no, nah, this is not going to happen. <laughs> 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 okay. I've had a good run. Well, we, um, back in the... Back in the early days for me, I guess we had a, a good jam night at a particular pub. I won't mention. I think I've mentioned it on other episodes, but um, every Monday night we'd go up there and people of all ages, man, like they were young, young people. Yeah. I had a couple of good friends of mine that were very young at that stage. I think, I don't know, 14, 15, yeah. maybe a bit younger and really cut their teeth yeah. um, at that, on that night. Uh, week after week, and um, I think I was, yeah, and you know, there's a lot of older people, and um, you know, older musos that have been there, been around for a while, and yeah. sort of younger guys like me. I think I was about twenty, twenty one, and um, it was just a great mix of different people and different experience, yeah. and we'd sort of chop and change with different songs and play together, yeah. and it was great. So, um, best, so yeah, there was always. Yeah, no, they were parents and guardians, you know, yeah. so it wasn't just out of control sort of underage yeah. things going. Yeah, oh, holding up the bar. 
Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Craig, just before you get going, I'll just make sure this yeah, is mate. Working. Yeah. Drop. Yeah, all this uh, internet praise that we've been doing at the start of the episode, we've had a few yeah. <laughs> issues with Skype and stuff. So, uh, I just sometimes this phone doesn't take the uh, the charge. I don't know why. Yeah, but we'll see how we go. Hang on a second. That's all right. Well, uh, I might just plug your playlist while you're mucking around there. So, yeah. um, anyone who's got Spotify out there. Um, just search for the 2020 Australian COVID-19 playlist. Um, plenty of good Aussie artists, um, local Aussie artists with uh, some of the great songs on there. Um, I will put a, a link in the show notes for everybody to, to check out and listen. But, yeah, jump on it. Um, if you like any of the artists and their songs, you know, go follow them. Follow their uh, Facebook and Instagram pages and, you know, um, just just really support your musos through this uh, this difficult time because being a um, being a locked up muso is not a good feeling. The feeling that you can't sort of get out and about is not not a great feeling. So the more we uh, connect with each other online, you know, the the easier it is that we'll get through this and um, hopefully come out with a whole bunch of new fans on the other side of it and. Um, once we can sort of get out and play some gigs, well, we might have some new faces in the crowd. So that's the idea anyway. But, yeah, lots of great songs on there, so please do check it out. It's a great idea by Aaron, and he's put some really great artists on there. So how you going there, mate? You all sorted? Yeah, I don't know why it's not connecting, but uh, I've got 19%, but we'll see how we go. If it cuts out, I'll go and get another lead. All right, mate. No worries. <laughs> what do you want me to do that now? Uh, no, it's all right. We'll see how we go. We'll push it to the limit. You know, like uh, <laughs> yeah. Kramer in Seinfeld with the petrol tank. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> see how far we can push it. Yeah. Uh, now, what was I going to ask you? Um, who are some of your guitarist influences? Guitar influences? Uh, yeah. The first that comes to mind is Chuck Berry. I love Chuck Berry because he could play guitar like you know, not many people can. Um, he was a great songwriter, great performer. Um, he produced his own stuff. Sort of, yeah, I, he was an all-rounder. So it was, it's, I like looking at people like that and going, oh, okay, he's, he's put his foot down and, and uh, uh, wants to give people what he wants to give out, you know, instead of record companies telling him how he should play and how he should sing and how he should, you know. Um, uh, yeah, I admire that in people. Um, but there's many other uh, guitar influences, like, you know, all the old, I love all the old Robert Johnson stuff, that sort of one-man blues. Um, I love, yeah, I love all that sort of thing. And yeah. then, you know, Bones, the Beatles, and, you know, even through to ACDC and Guns N' Roses and that, I, I, I love all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, it's just great to be a bit more open just to sort of develop your own, your own, feel maybe yeah just sort of mash everything together i mean you've got some yeah. reggae you've got some uh blues and, and country um, yeah. on your on your album by the sounds of it so that's uh yeah a mix of everything that you obviously sort of listen to and enjoy so yeah i mean originally i was going to do a full blues album and then i thought well it's a bit it's a bit uh 
it probably won't express me as you know what I like. So I, uh, you know, I had different genres from different inspirations. Again, from Ross Hannaford or you know Phil Manning from Chain, great blues player. Um, yeah, you just pick things up and you try and give your own interpretation of the genre with you know with your own life experiences or whatever else comes in it. It's it's for a first album. It was good to sort of get everything I don't know that was inside of me out of me because it's sort of you don't I don't know. I think musos are probably a little bit hard, a little bit harder to get out of you know get get their expressions out of them. I suppose Um, so. Putting an album together was perfect. It was like you know it just all came out. You know. Yeah. Well, that's um, I've talked about this with other musos as well. Like when we sort of debate the idea of putting out, um, you know, full albums, singles or EPs. Um, for me, I love albums because I love albums, but also because like you just kind of said, it's it's a big chunk of you you're putting in one package, putting it yeah. on the shelf uh, and releasing and getting it, getting a full, oh, you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I get it. You get, a, get it. a whole chapter sort of thing so whereas like a single or an ep is a very small snippet but um yeah yeah, for the listener general listener maybe they just don't listen to albums so it's not well here's the funny thing is the funny thing is now like you know having grown up with itunes and limewire back you know however long they call it limewire yeah music but having a record player at home it's great because you get to hear every track one after another and albums start to make sense, uh, you know, like when you're listening to uh, uh, Carol King Tapestry, you know, one after another it actually makes sense. Whereas if that was me driving in the car and I had it on my iPhone, I would just skip through half of the, the crappier songs. But listening to it in full, it makes sense. Yep. And even when I see uh, new bands, I, I will get their vinyl mainly because I'll hear the whole album itself, you know, um, mm. which is interesting because it's like, yeah, I think the vinyl thing's doing a, a full circle for that reason. Yeah. It, I think it engages you more. Like if you actually go to the trouble of buying yeah. a vinyl and a record player and putting it on and sitting there and listening, I think you engage with the music a bit more and yeah. you got to be, uh, you got to get up and, Flip it over, yeah. <laughs> play side two. I know. Who could be bothered skipping through tracks? <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, Spotify and all the digital stuff is great, but there's nothing yeah. like sitting there with a, a, a real record, especially yeah. one that's made back in the 60s or the 70s or something like that. So, yeah, I saw you're a vinyl collector as well. Yeah? Ooh. Yeah. I love the vinyl. I mean, yeah. I, I finally decided to categorize everything. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it took me like half a day because it was 420-something records. Yeah. But but the great thing was I was looking through and I found albums that I didn't realise I still had. Like I thought mm. I'd, I don't know, lost them or thrown them out or something. Not, maybe not thrown them out. But, yeah, I, I and re-listening to s- some of those albums, you know, it gives you a different perspective of music as a songwriter or, you know, even a performer. But, mm. um, yeah, I love the vinyl. Love it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, something about it, you know, the little crackle at the start, and then it fucking yeah. goes into it. They were made with 
Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's just sort of magic listening to those, but it is good to be able to upload music yourself these days and yeah, just chuck it straight on Spotify without a distributor and all that sort of thing. So yeah. it's great because uh, it gives people the chance to yeah put out what they. I mean, you know, we've all heard terrible recordings that have gone straight out to Spotify, um, but um, it's great that that platform is there and it's very accessible for people to get their stuff out. Um, you know, I, yeah, I think it's good because we're utilising the the tools that we've got nowadays as opposed to 50 years ago relying on a manager and a record company and radio play. Um, yeah, I mean, we're just different times. Well, you know, it's a good thing. Like, um, you know, a lot of us do a lot of driving or travelling yeah. on trains. Obviously, you can't have your record play with you nah. in those times. Uh, so that's when you might use your Spotify and whatever, yeah. uh, Apple Music, and yeah. when you get home and shut the door and close the curtains, that's when you might yeah. chuck on your record player and yeah. drift away. Yeah, well, that's, that's what happens. <laughs> yeah. what happens. So you, you play a bit of a mix of electric and acoustic. What are some of the guitars you've got, some of your favourites? you got a massive collection or? I do, yeah. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I think the go-to guy is the – I've got a Gibson ES345 and it's a stereo. Um, again, back to the Chuck Berry influence, I always – I hate Les Pauls and SGs and Tallies and Strats. And I thought, you know, I think I've had it for about four years. And I went into the guitar kernel and I said, oh, i just come to have a look to see what what ESs you got on the wall. <laughs> and I picked up the one I, well, I've got now and I go, yeah, I'll be back tomorrow. So I bought it the next day. <laughs> Oh, nice. It's, it's, a, it's worse than a drug habit, they say. <laughs> well, <laughs> probably. Yeah. A bit but, healthier, you know, though. Yeah, well, that's it. That's right. But, um, yeah, I've got got a few guitars at home that, that I love using, you know. you got a – I think you've got a Maiden, haven't you? I'm yeah, I've just got the – yeah, just the trusty Maiden. Um, I normally use those for solo gigs and, you know, recording mm. and that. And, um yeah, I, I think if you've got one good acoustic, you're pretty well set. Um, yeah. Uh, whereas, you know, obviously your electric guitars, you've got different tones and different uh, genres that you're trying to emulate, I suppose. Um, yeah, I, I, I like the Maiden. Can't go wrong with the Maiden. No. Well, I was tossing up between that and the Cole Clark, yeah. and, uh, I, yeah, I hated the Cole Clark. I didn't like it, <laughs> so I went with the Maiden. Yeah, yeah. I found what myself you, same. What do you use? Yeah, I got two matins. I, I was in the same sort of position as you. Like it was either a Cole Clark or a Maiden. Um, yeah. But I've got to say, I didn't like the Cole Clarks. I know they're they are beautiful guitars. Like you do see some good ones around, but I love yeah. the Maiden. So um, I've got I've got two of them now. I got um, uh, the EBW eight oh eight Sunburst one that I brought probably eight years ago. Yeah. Uh, and then I picked up the um, uh, the 808 Blackwood uh, probably a couple of years ago now, just after I recorded my second album, I think. So oh. uh, just missed out on the recording, but yeah, I've been yeah. that's been my main guitar. Um, and then I've got a couple of court guitars as well. Courts are great. I, guitars, hear, they're, I hear they're pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, for the price, you know, like yeah. they're not sort of high end like a mate yeah. or a Cole Clark. Um, but they're really beautiful guitars. Yeah. So, 
but uh, yeah, I've got a few different tunings happening. So I sort right. of uh, have them in different tunings each. So yeah, okay. Yeah, right. yeah. so you do bag of lollies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man. Never. I try not go overboard and have too <laughs> yeah. many. You got to keep them maintained, and yeah, <laughs> we all get to that point uh, every now and then. But uh, you know, I uh, came across a, a duet. Well, you've done a few duets with uh, is it Rosie Conforto? Yeah, I've said yeah, her name yeah. Correctly. Uh, yeah. I'm a big fan of the the male female duet, yeah. and uh, I saw a couple that you you'd done with her. Obviously, you probably gig with her a lot, but um. Yeah. I just saw you do uh, what was it Blue Eyes Crying in the Rain and uh, Roy Roy Orbison's Sweet Dream and Baby. So yeah, yeah, both yeah. both sounded great. It's just it's nice to because um, Rosie's a great singer herself, and I you know I only got into this singing you know lead vocals probably four years ago five years ago. I always wanted to be a guitar player, and that was it. Um, but uh, it's always nice to hear. <laughs> they say always gig with people that are better than you. Yep. So, you know, it's it sort of you keep up a bit more. Um, you know, Rosie's great. She, uh, I, I think vocally she pushes me a bit more than I would normally do. Um, yep. And, you know, who doesn't love hearing harmonies? Mm. You, know, some of the, yeah. you know, some of the great harmony groups that I love, you know, the Eberly <laughs> Brothers and Simon and Garfunkel and, uh, you know, Crosby, Stills and Nash. Yeah, it's just yeah, it just I don't know, melts your ears. It does man, yeah, I yeah, like the the male and male, sorry, male and male duets sound great, like Simon and Garfunkel. But yeah. I think a male and a female is even more sort of magic yeah. if you get the right mix. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I mean, it's yeah. She she's she's a good singer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You guys sound good together, so. Oh, thanks. Don't yeah. tell them that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, now I saw that you met uh, Brian May. What the hell was that like? Yeah, that was like, you know what? Um, I've been pretty lucky to meet, you know, some you know, people's idols, I suppose, or even some of my idols. Um, but there was just this incredible aura about Brian May. I don't know, he just... A, probably because he was, you know, he's 10 foot 10. And, uh, yeah. you know, but it's just, it's just surreal. And, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, it's Brian May. What can you say? Yeah. Was, you know, I, was, I was buzzed. I was absolutely buzzed. Um, yeah. It was pretty cool. <laughs> you gave him a copy of your album? I did, yeah. Um, <laughs> with the fellow that, um, that teed it up. Yeah, and... Uh, it was mentioned, and uh, yeah, I gave him a copy of the vinyl, and yeah, <laughs> whether he's heard it or not, I don't know, but yeah, doesn't matter. Yeah, I was going to say, did you ever hear back from him about it? Imagine, imagine that, like he just calls you a week or two later, and yeah, hey, man, I really yeah. dig your album. Yeah. It's like um, shit, you actually listened to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool. No, I haven't heard back from him. No, I don't think I will. But uh, the fact that he's got it is is a buzz itself. Yeah. You know? Whether he uses it as toilet paper, I don't know, but yeah. <laughs> got it. It's a buzz. <laughs> it depends if he was able to get some when everyone was stocking up or not, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Hey, that gives me ideas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, look, you never know. It might be sitting in his uh, – he might have just got home and in his mansion and chucked it in his massive collection there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So 
All right, man. Well, uh, let's uh, let's finish off with some of this stuff that's affecting us with the virus. I guess um, I sort of I saw that APRA um, are going to be paying their royalties early this year in May yes. instead of November to sort of help musos, I guess. Yeah. Um, try and support their members, so which is a great thing. Um, yeah. I was actually trying to get uh, a rep from APRA to come on the podcast here and really get into it. Um, so I'm still trying to get in contact with them. That'd be great. But uh, yeah. yeah, so they're play- paying it early this year to, to help everyone out, I guess. Uh, it's good. I think in times like these, you sort of, you realize how special this industry is. I mean, mm. you think about it, how, you know, whether it's uh, fundraising for cancer or fundraising for a bushfire or fundraising for a flood, um, fundraising for a fellow muso that's, I don't know, had his arm chopped off or whatever. Um, yep. The music industry is the first to get there, mm. put their time, uh, you know, supply their time, their talents. Um, so it's nice to know now that we're, we're possibly getting something back, you know, with the, especially with the government funding and... Uh, um, yeah, APRA is bringing their, their payments forward. Um, it's sort of, yeah, I, I haven't seen the industry react like this or, or be reacted to like this, I suppose, which is great because, um, you know, when you've got that idiot who was trying to, what was he trying to do something with the uh, the entertainment industry? Scott Morrison, I can't remember what it was. Mm. He did something, and then next night he was watching Tina Arena do a gig at, at a theatre or something. Right. Anyway, um, so, yeah, it's nice to know that it's, you know, we're getting a little bit looked after, I think. Yeah. Because the music industry, as I said, we do a lot. Well, not I'm not saying particularly me, but a lot of musos put their time uh, for other uh, benefits or you know, fundraisers and whatever else. So I think it's good that, yeah, we're getting a bit back. Yeah. Well, I guess no matter what level we're at, like we all do something a little bit different with the industry, mm-hmm. but we usually, well, it's always out of the love of music and yeah, everything and, um, you know, don't always get paid for what we do and or it might not be much, but you just do it anyway. But yeah, yeah I guess... Like you said, in times of crisis, uh, whether it's floods or fires, and we're always know, there. Yeah, doing benefit concerts and that sort of thing. Mm. It, you know, I guess every, uh, a lot of different people are, are in this boat at the moment where they're struggling. It's not just musos, you know, it's people uh, that have lost their jobs and businesses they've created. It's just crazy. It's you can't quite comprehend the no. uh, the, the massive loss and. Yeah. It's just crazy. So, um, I think it'll be interesting to see how everything bounces back. Um, mm. You know, I think it'll be for the better. We can only hope that maybe they give venues and pubs a chop out with with payments, so they can actually pay their rent and still have a bit of some, you know, some money to pay bands or you know get acoustic acts in. Um, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. It'll be really interesting. Yeah, I mean, venues sort of found it hard enough to stay afloat. Yeah, uh, in normal times. So I, 
sort of hate to think if this goes on too long, how many potentially might close yes. uh, or the ones that do stay open, you know, do they, do they lose all their staff in that time um, yeah. that they don't have a booker? So, you know, once things ramp up again, they've actually got to rehire bookers and staff and it takes a little bit longer to get things back on track. Um, I think a lot of, yeah, that's right. And I think a lot of the venues will be starting at the bottom again if there's no help from any, you know, funds or government funds. Um, yeah. Well, it is what it is and, you know, you just have to push through it. Yeah, well, you can guarantee the museums will be uh, ready to go once once we get the oh, green yeah. lot to go back out again. The guitars will be in the case. Yeah. yeah. Strung and, uh, yeah, oh, we'll man. be ready to roll again. I'm hanging. Yeah, I think everybody's just eager to, to get out and play. Yeah. I'm sure there'll be a, a lot of great songs written in this downtime and, um, yeah. Yeah. you know, even That's rehearsal right. studio, rehearsal yeah. studios, recording studios, no, you know, they're in, they're yeah. in the same boat as well. So yeah, hopefully there's not too many casualties in this time, however long it might be. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Yeah. But, yeah. All right, Aaron, thank you for uh, coming on today. Thanks, pal. Nice to have a chat with you. Yeah. I hope I made a bit of sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too, mate. Yeah, just ramble off sometimes. Yeah, no. We're going to be insane <laughs> being stuck inside four walls. <laughs> yeah. yeah this is well, the uh, spoke to in three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry it has to be me, but, you know. No, it's good. It's good having good. a chat with you. <laughs> yeah, you too, man. You too. I, yeah. Uh, yeah, good on you for doing things like this too. It, it helps the industry a lot. And uh, gets people's names out there, and uh, you know, of all the podcasts I've you know I've done over the few years, they they go a long way. So it's good, good on you. Yeah, no, it's um, you know, something we can all do from home. Um, so it's especially in this time, you know, I, I would have rather catch up with you in person and have a good chat and a couple of drinks, I guess. But uh, maybe next time, once we come out of all this, we'll catch it up. It is again. what it is. Yeah. All right, man. Well, uh, stay safe and uh, too, keep mate. riding, and we'll see you out and about once we get the green light to go. See you out in the pubs. Yep. Take care, <laughs> mate. Thanks, buddy. See you, Thanks, mate. everyone, for listening, and uh, make sure you check out Aaron's music. I'll chuck some links in the show notes as well as his uh, Spotify playlist that he created. Thanks, Aaron. Cheers, mate. See you, buddy. Bye.